Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. Ah, so, Resting Place, South Tampa, how you doing today? Good? Um, yeah, I, I normally don't sit to teach, but this is actually how the ancient Hebrews, like the Sanhedrin, they would sit and teach. I don't know if you know this, you know. Uh, this is actually the ways of our forefathers, you know. Um, so, you know what? In, in this, like, British, like, announcer forefathers, you know. Kind of like a, like a British James Earl Jones, you know. Let's do this. Uh, let's pray. Uh, does anybody need to take a quick break to like go to the restroom or something before we get started? Are we good? You guys uh, need like a stretch break or something? All right. All right. Uh, Holy Spirit, come. Like, <laughs> what am I saying? You're already here. But uh, <laughs> Holy Spirit, more. Uh, more of who you are, more of your word. You are the one that wields the sharp double-edged sword uh, that can pierce the hearts and separate spirit from the soul. You're the one that speaks to our hearts, to our minds. You give, you give health to our bodies. You refresh the soul. You renew our minds. You bring joy where there's sorrow. You turn our mourning into dancing. Ah, you turn our sorrow into praise. And so I just ask that you just do a little bit more of that today, more of what you're already doing. Just Holy Spirit, this is totally your show. And uh, we just thank you. We just thank you that we get to be part of this. Man, this is so good. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so I'm going to try and get through this without, like, falling over off my chair because I'm a little toasted up here. Um, <laughs> so today I want to talk to you about giving you permission to enjoy your life. I want to talk to you a little bit about giving you permission to enjoy your life. I mean, I mean, like, most of the folks in this room don't need permission. Be like, bro, we've been there for a while now. But, you know, I, I, I just, I, I keep, every time I was praying about it, every time I thought about it, I just felt in my heart, like, I just heard the word, permission granted to enjoy life. And I don't even feel like my notes and my sermon, like, I feel like I almost didn't have enough time to really pull together what, what needed to be pulled together. So it's like, with the little bit of time that I had to prepare for this, I was like, Okay, I think I got it, but I know that whatever, whatever else the Lord wants to say, he's going to say through it, through me right now, right? But today I just want to talk to you, like, guys, like, oh, my gosh. Um, I don't think we enjoy life enough. You know, like, I think, I think we, uh, for one reason or another, whether if it's where, whether we think we are not supposed to be happy, whether we think we have a theology around misery is holiness, um, whether we think that, uh, whether, uh, you know, a, 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 a very early on, um, you know, kind of like lie that was spoken to us, that we don't deserve to be happy, that maybe our siblings do, but we don't, like we're the last to get picked on the team, you know, like whatever it is, like I don't think we're actually enjoying our life to the fullest. And that has to change today. Today. So, I normally start off with a couple jokes. 
A lady noticed a an a lady noticed an old happy man sitting on his porch. Excuse me, she said. I just couldn't help noticing how happy you look. Tell me, what is the secret to your long happy life? Well, the man responded, I eat fatty foods. I never exercise. I also smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, and I drink a case of whiskey a week. Wow, the woman said, how old are you? 28. <laughs> Here's another one. Sam goes to the doctor for his yearly checkup. Everything's fine, said the doctor. You're doing okay for your age. For my age, questioned Sam. I, I, I'm only 75. Do you think I'll make it to 80? Well, said the doctor, do you drink or smoke? No, Sam replied. Do you eat fatty meats or sweets? No, said Sam. I'm very careful about what I eat. How about your activities? Do you engage in thrilling behaviors like speeding or skiing or snowboarding? No, Sam taken aback. I would never engage in dangerous activities like that. Well, said the doctor, then why in the world would you want to live to 80? <laughs> and now I stand. Today, I want to tell you that you have permission granted to enjoy life. Today, I want to tell you you have permission granted to enjoy life. Uh, here's the main point. You ready for the main point? Are you ready for the main point? Okay, great. Yeah. For us to believe that we are, in fact, encouraged by God to enjoy life, we must first come to believe that God himself is in a good mood. If he is in a good mood that, and we are called to be imitators of God, then that will automatically grant us permission to live in a good mood, thus enjoying the life we live. For us to believe that we are in fact encouraged by God to enjoy life, we must come to believe that God himself is in a good mood. If he's in a good mood and we are called to be imitators of God, then that will automatically grant us permission to live in a good mood, thus enjoying the life we live. God's in a good mood. God is in a good mood. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. So, let's talk about the laughter of God. Did you know that in the book of Psalms, the laughter of God is captured three times. It's captured, I think, in Psalms 2-4, Psalms 37-19, and Psalms 59-8, I think, uh, if I remember correctly. But I'm going to focus on this one. So the first thing, and most, by the way, in all three occurrences in the book of Psalms where God's laughing, he's laughing at his enemies. It takes a really joyful person to not get upset at their enemies and an even more joyful person to laugh at them. You and I don't laugh at enemies. We get frustrated with them. You and I, we don't, when enemies come our way, laughter is not the initial response. 
We normally have to, Holy Spirit. Oh, like, we start praying in tongues. We start calling on Jesus, Yahweh, Mother Mary, Gabriel. Like, right? Laughter is not the initial human response when someone is on their way to come against you. But we have a joyful God. We're all three times in the book of Psalms, and he's laughing. He's laughing at his enemies. Psalm chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his appointed king, saying, let us come together and break away from the creator once and for all. Let us cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. Verse 4, God enthroned merely laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks at their madness. God laughs. He doesn't just laugh at his enemies. He laughs over his church. He doesn't laugh at us. He actually laughs with us. He laughs at his enemies, but he laughs with his church. He laughs over his church. Let me, let me, let me, uh, let me explain this one to you. God, God doesn't just laugh or laugh at his enemies, but God rejoices rejoices you ever seen like real full-blown holy like holy ghost pentecostal rejoicing like full-blown we had a little of that earlier okay it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of hard to find a sad face in the room when there's full-blown rejoicing and god the bible says that god rejoices over you he rejoices over you Let, let's read zephaniah uh, 317 it says the Lord your God is in your midst. Thank you. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. You ready for this? He will rejoice over you with gladness. Just so you know, I looked up the word rejoice and I looked up gladness and they both mean joy. So he will joy over you with joy. What? How do you even do that? A joyful God can figure it out, but he will joy over you with joy. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Zephaniah 317. I remember um, one of my first influencers, influencers, it's like a term now. But one of my first great influences of worship was a man by the name of Jason Upton. Anybody know Jason Upton? <sighs> I mean, there's like, there's like no one that pours out like oil like he does, you know. And Jason Upton, uh, on one of his albums, he was talking about how, you know, I was hanging out with the Lord one day, and I heard him singing over me. And I remember I was like, stop right there. I was like 14 years old. I was like, What? Like, the Lord's singing over you? Like, I remember first being hungry for that, like, 13, 14 years old. Like, what is that even like? What is it like to hear God singing? Now, my friends, I can tell you, I've not only heard the Lord singing over me, I've heard the Lord laughing in my heart. Like, I've heard him laughing at the things I do. Like, like sometimes laughing at, like, yeah. You ever heard the Lord laugh at you? You can't, like, ha be in a bad mood after that. <laughs> You know, if he's laughing at you, like, all right, maybe I'm, you know. 
but he rejoices over you with gladness. And the Bible says that he will exalt over you with loud singing. Does that sound like a God that's in a bad mood? How about this one? Did you know that God laughs and plays? Abraham's known this for years. Before he even had Bible verses to back it up. I'm going to help you out, Abraham. I'm going to give you this actual scripture to back up some of the stuff that you've been encountering for years. Proverbs chapter 8. Everybody say Proverbs chapter 8. In the book of Proverbs chapter 8, we're actually, we, 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 we study what wisdom is like, right? Wisdom is sown her pillars, and she's out in the streets and such. You, know, you, you hear this, this language about wisdom. But what we come to find out later in the epistles is that Jesus Christ has become to us the, the wisdom of God. So we actually find out that in Proverbs 8, Solomon has this, or, uh, the writer of that particular proverb has this vision about wisdom. And then we find out later that the one that, that, that we saw in Proverbs 8 is actually Jesus. It's actually the spirit of Jesus. Yes? You follow? So when you, when you see Proverbs 8 in action, you can actually take Jesus and put him in first person. As if he's reading the words himself. And one of the things in Proverbs chapter 8 verse 30 is this, 30 and 31. So Proverbs is talking about the ancient ways of wisdom and how wisdom was present when God created the earth. Proverbs chapter 8 verse 30. I was there close to the creator's side as his master artist. I was there close to the creator's side as his master artist. Daily he was filled with delight in me. So the father filled in delight in the son, Jesus. Yeah, you follow? Yeah. As I playfully rejoiced before him. Wait for it. I laughed and played. So happy with what he made while finding my delight in the children of men. That word played, I was like, nah, hold on. I got to double check this because I know the religious zealots are coming my way. Like, Wait a minute, God doesn't play. Oh, really? You think so? How about this? The word in the Hebrew is shakak. Everybody say shakak. Not shashank. Shakak. Like shakak. The word actually means to play. The way a child plays. So I'm picturing Jesus like with the trees like, like, like. Like, <laughs> I've heard, I heard a song once said that, uh, that God is young, we're the only ones that get old. I'm going to read this again, and I want you to try your hardest to compare this to a God that's in a bad mood. Ready? I was there close to the creator's side as his master artist. Daily, he was filled with delight in me. I playfully rejoiced before him. I laughed and played, so happy with what he made, finding my delight in the children of men. Does this sound like a God who's constantly in a bad mood to you? Hello? Hello? Yes. (laughs) 
Yes, but Joel, what about the anger and the wrath of God? Let me tell you something about the anger and the wrath of God. First of all, most of us grew up reading the Bible in a devotional style, right? So we just kind of flip open the Bible and we're just like, all right, whatever the Lord's going to speak to me here. And you start to read like, I will crush the peoples with a vengeance and anger. You're like, oh, okay, let me, let me try that again. Let me go to New Testament. Let me try it, you know. Anybody? Hello? Yeah, you're like, you open up the Old Testament, you're like, I will destroy them with a fire. All right, let me try that again. Let me go to John chapter 3 and let me find. We almost get a little bit uncomfortable about this concept of the wrath of God. But did you know that the wrath of God is the love of God? Joel, how can this be? Oh, glad you asked. Most of the times that you read about the wrath of God, first of all, it's usually decades or even centuries apart from one another. Events of the wrath of God, if you look at it historically throughout the story of Israel, usually God would send decades of warning. Everybody say decades. decades. Say it louder. Say decades. decades. God would send decades of warning. Decades of, of, of prophet after prophet begging the people to repent of their wicked ways before wrath was finally poured out upon them. We think, that, we think that it's anger, it, it, it's quick. The Bible says, no, no, no. The Bible says that the Lord is actually slow to anger. And, and I'm talking like sometimes between decades and centuries before he actually expressed wrath on the people of God. But you have to know your history to understand this. You have to know your history. You have to know your history that for decade after decade, the people of God would worship Malek by taking newborn babies and putting them on, on burning hands, golden hands with a fire under them, searing the skin until the baby was burned alive. And they would practice this as, as all, uh, they would set up what's called altars to Baal and Ashtoreth. So anytime you read, which you should be reading your Bibles, anytime you read your Bibles where you see a wicked king would put up poles to Baal and Ashtoreth and altars to Baal, that's the practice of worshiping Melech where they would burn babies alive as a sacrifice unto the God of Melech. All four Rain for financial gain so that rain would come on the crops so they become financially wealthy. Does that sound familiar to you? Sacrifice the life of children for financial gain. And this went on for decades. Decades. You would see a wicked king after a wicked king, a wicked king, and then a righteous one. And the righteous one would tear down the, the, the uh, Baal poles and the Ashtoreth altars. Or the Baal altars and the Ashtoreth poles. And the Lord would, would, would beg his people, stop this madness. In fact, if you read the story of, of, of the Babylonian exile, when God finally stepped in with his wrath upon the people of Israel, in fact, if you actually read the story from beginning from Abraham all the way to Babylonian exile, you would see that if God did nothing, it would actually be wrong of him if he didn't step in to stop it. So let me tell you something about the anger and the wrath of God. The anger and the wrath of God proves that he loves his people. Because usually his anger and his wrath is usually something that's used to prevent us from destroying ourselves or destroying one another. Read your Bibles and find out. His anger and his wrath usually mounts up against anything that would hinder love. 
Our God is, in fact, in a good mood. Our God is, in fact, slow to anger. It actually takes him historically decades, decades and sometimes even centuries before he finally unleashes his wrath upon his people. And now, even now, that was old covenant. Now he's unleashed his full wrath upon his son. He unleashed the full, he, he poured the full cup of wrath on his own son, Jesus, so that you and I would never again be vessels of his wrath. You want to talk to me about the anger of God? Look at the cross. And you will see the full anger of God upon sin poured out on his own son. So when you walk around in condemnation and shame, how dare you? How dare you walk around in condemnation and shame when Jesus drank the full cup of the wrath of God? How dare you try and drink your own cup of wrath when Jesus drank the full cup? What a waste! What a waste it is to live in condemnation and shame when Jesus already drank the full cup of the wrath of the Father. The Bible says that it pleased the Father God to crush him so that you wouldn't have to be crushed. He settled the issue of sin on his very son, Jesus. That's the thing, like, people think about this as like, poor Jesus. Jesus volunteered. Jesus said, I shall go. Here I am, send me. In fact, it was even prophesied that as soon as humanity fell in the garden, the Lord said that I shall put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and yours. And you know what? He shall bruise his heel by stomping on the head of the serpent. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. What does that mean? That means before there was ever even a problem, the solution was already available. Before there was ever even sin, the lamb was already planned to be slain. The lamb was already planned to be slain. So don't come at me about the anger of God. Read your Bibles, learn your history, and then come talk to me about the wrath of God. Study the cross, and then come talk to me about the wrath of God. Until then... My God, the one that I serve, rejoices over me with loud singing, and he rejoices over me with gladness. And that's the life I choose to live. I don't know about you. And because he rejoices over me, I'm going to start to enjoy my life a little bit. I'm going to have another cupcake. Yes, I will have another steak. Thank you. God encouraged, is this good? Are you enjoying this? Okay. Because I was like, I was like, dang, I got to follow up Abraham. <laughs> no. <laughs> Abraham, stop talking. It's too good. <laughs> we are brothers. We are brothers. <laughs> Come on, man. God encourages us to have a mood just like his. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us that there is a time to weep, that there's a time to laugh, and there's a time to dance. <laughs> so a little, little, little Boricua came out, just not a little, little tunka, tunka, tunka. <laughs> little, little Sasongoya came out just now, you know. Luke chapter 6, verse 21. 
Luke chapter 6, verse 21, it says, Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Amen. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. Everybody say fullness of joy. That was weak. Say fullness of joy. In his presence there is fullness of joy. All right? Fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> these things I have <laughs> these things I have spoken to you that my joy oh sorry these things I have spoken to you uh, that uh, you may in the world you have <laughs> see you messed me up a little bit <laughs> officer I swear <laughs> officer I was just at church officer I swear Son, step out and walk on a straight line. You don't want me to do that. <laughs> I can poke fun. My dad's a cop. It's all good. Oh, he wasn't. All right. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. For in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Everybody say, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Uh, that wasn't a suggestion. That wasn't uh, an idea to chew on. That was a commandment from a king. I have spoken to you that in me you may, in me you have, may have peace. Because in this world you will have tribulation. The Lord recognizes, hey, the joy of the Lord and the happiness of God doesn't ignore the tribulation of our world. It's not a life of denial. It's not a life of denial. In the world, you will have trials and tribulations. But be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Every battle we face is already won. Because he's overcome the world. That's why we can and are commanded to be of good cheer. John 15, 11, New King James. It says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy Maybe full. I, you know, guys, I'm trying to find verses where com God commands us to be depressed. <laughs> Can't find many. Sure, there's times where the Lord's encouraging us to, to, to you know, if we have no remorse over sin, that, you know, uh, like, hey, listen, you know, this, I've hurt other people. Like, you know, like there's, there's, a, there's a holiness to remorsing and damaging other people, right? There's a, there is something in that to be said. But I can't think of a verse where the Lord commands me to be depressed. I can think of a bunch of where the Lord commands me to walk in joy and to enjoy the life I live. These words I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full as you go about this life. So uh, let's talk about some key points about enjoying life. You ready? Yes. <laughs> you are alive. Okay. Key points about enjoying life. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> You've been blessed, girl. Holy Ghost is shining on you, all right? 
the El Roi, the Lord who sees you. All right. Keeping God first in your life finally allows you to enjoy things as they should be enjoyed. This way, hobbies, loved ones, and other things can bring us happiness without carrying the pressure to ultimately satisfy us. This also protects us from becoming slaves of idolatry to the things we enjoy. When God is first in our life, we can enjoy things without abusing them. Should I read that again? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Keeping God first in your life finally allows you to enjoy things as they should be enjoyed. This way, hobbies, loved ones, and other things can bring us happiness without carrying the pressure to ultimately satisfy us. This also protects us from becoming slaves to idolatry to the things we enjoy. When God is first in our life, we can enjoy things without abusing them. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 25. It says, who can enjoy anything apart from him? Let me tell you something. Without the Lord, lobster tastes like soap. Without the Lord, sex takes away from life. It doesn't add to it. Without the Lord, children become idols and not blessings. I can go on. Without the Lord, your job becomes your identity and not a resource. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 verse 25. For who can enjoy anything apart from him? But with the Lord. Right? With the word. And following his ways, by the way. This is not a message about moderation. Um, sex outside of marriage is still sin? Hello? Okay. Um, like, hurting one another is still sin? <laughs> like, I, I'm, not, I'm not, this isn't a message about moderation. This is a message about doing things uh, the way Yahweh, uh, by, by Yahweh's design and not falling into idolatry. Like, enjoying the fruits of creation without falling into idolatry. Does that make sense? Okay. So, um, with the Lord, like, now my children are a blessing, and they, they, I don't need them to love me. Do you understand how blessed my children are that I'm not codependent on them? I don't, I, I've, already, I've already found so much fulfillment between my, my relationship with my father and even my relationship with my wife that by the time I go to interact my, with my child, they are not on the hook to prop me up. They're not on the hook to fill my tank. I want you to know that those of you who lived that way, where you were in charge of your parents' emotional regulation, I want you to know I'm sorry, but that's not the ways of Yahweh. The ways of Yahweh is people walk around already fulfilled by God, already satisfied by God. Therefore, you're not on the pressure to satisfy them. Therefore, you have room to make mistakes, and there's mercy. Therefore, you have room to enjoy something without having to attach performance to it. The ways of Yahweh are perfect. 
perfect. God's design is perfect. God's design is perfect. Oh, <laughs> you ready for another one? Ecclesiastes, <laughs> Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 15. Are you ready? So I recommend having fun. That's the Bible. I recommend having fun because there's nothing better for people to do in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. Amen. That's the Bible. Read your Bible. That way people will experience some happiness along with the hard work that God gives them to do under the sun. Yeah, we got hard work to do in this life. Yeah, we're going to do things we don't enjoy. Yeah, not everything we do we're going to enjoy, and that's okay. That's actually a byproduct of discipline. Sometimes discipline is doing the thing you hate as though you love it, right, for the goal that you want to achieve. But, like, the Bible actually says, but I recommend having fun. I'm going to read that again. I recommend having fun. The Bible's talking. You're a believer. This is what you live by. The Bible says, I recommend having fun. Because there's nothing better in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. When, uh, uh, here's another point about enjoying life. When we submit to God uh, in all things, we can enjoy life without fear of being punished for moments of genuine happiness. When we submit to God in all things, we can enjoy the things of life without fear of being punished for moments of genuine happiness. Did you know that there are people right now, those who've called upon the name of the Lord, believers that are, exist within the bride of Christ, that are afraid of being happy because they think either they're going to be punished for it or they don't deserve it. It's almost like I have to self-sabotage happiness because I'm so not worthy of it. That is a doctrine of demons and a lie from the pit of hell. I can actually, because my life is submitted to Yahweh, I can enjoy moments of genuine happiness um, and, and no, not fear the sorrow. Uh, okay, life is going too good, so let me wait for the bad to come. Yeah, stop that. This is, let me tell you what the Bible says. Just stop. Proverbs chapter 10, verse <laughs> Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. So I could be rich with joy. I could be rich with satisfaction. I could be rich with money. I could be rich with friendships. And you know what? The blessing of the Lord makes me rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Stop expecting the bad on the other side. Stop it. In fact, your faith is enabling the devil. You know that's how that works, right? You believe a lie, therefore you give faith to the lie, and now you've empowered a supernatural entity that's, that's, that's your enemy. So stop that. Stop putting your faith in the will of the enemy and put your faith in the blessing of God. authority of the earth belongs to the children of men. And whatever we give agreement to is what we give power to. 
I'm going to agree that the blessing of the Lord makes me rich, and I got no sorrow coming my way. In fact, the only thing chasing me is his goodness and mercy that pursued me all the days of my life. Guys, permission to enjoy life. Like, let the gut out a little bit. Just kind of, you know, relax. It's okay. Loosen the belt a little bit. Have another steak. Look, let's talk about this, okay? Could you imagine Jesus enjoying, like, like enjoying, like, food for the first time as a human? Think about this. Like, God's spirit, he invented the concept of taste buds and humans and food. He invented all this. But then he got to experience it as a human. Like, that's why he was called a glutton and a drunkard. Because, like, oh, my God, I need to try these eggs one more time. One of these figs? Oh, my God. You have to really think about this in reality. Jesus got to taste wine and food and berries for the first time. Right? He got to now enjoy the fruits of his own creation. And we get to do the same along with Yahweh. As long as we submit to his way. And don't fall prey to idolatry. Just so you know, the real enemy of the people of God is not Satan. The real enemy of the people of God is idolatry. Yes, the enemy tempts us with idolatry, but idolatry itself is what we fall prey to more than anything else. I'm serious. Like if you look at the old, like if you read the Old Testament, most of the time it's idolatry. Like, in fact, Jacob, <laughs> I love Jacob. Jacob had a way of dealing with idolatry. Uh, he found out that one of his sons had deal, dealt with idolatry. You know what Jacob did? Jacob took the idols, he just like broke them, grinded the pieces into dust, and then burnt the dust. That's how you deal with idolatry. Oh, there's something that's exalting itself in my life against Jesus? <laughs> I got just the thing to do. Grab that thing off its shelf, throw it on the ground, break it, grind it to dust, and throw the pieces into the fire. Nothing will rule this heart except the Lord. Nothing. But because that's the case, I get to enjoy life. Free of fear of being happy. I, I live as a, as a free man because I'm governed by Yahweh. I'm governed by him. Uh, couple, uh, just a couple more points. I'm almost done. You guys good? Yeah. Who gives me five more minutes? Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. <laughs> Do I hear 30? There we go. 40. You like, you like this? Yeah. Uh, point number three, enjoying life God's way usually means enjoying it together within a community. It says in Acts chapter 2, uh, Verse 46, so continuing daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. It's talking about the first century church. Like, like continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Like usually, enjoying life, 
uh, means enjoying things together within a community. You're not called to be alone. But you know what? You're also not called um, to not contribute. I'm alone. Are you contributing to a community? No? Okay, well, you must build the thing you want to see. You have to take responsibility for your own contribution to the community. Or if not, you will live a lonely life, which is not the way that God's designed. You have to contribute to your own vulnerability, showing up, going to the egg roll class, spring roll. <laughs> like, you know, we're, we are lonely, and yet we are, we are lonely, and it's our own fault. Because there is someone, someone is available for you, especially in a community like this. You don't have to be alone. But you're going to have to get over your own fear about being vulnerable and being yourself. Hello? Okay. Enjoying life will require you to be okay with what you got. Ecclesiastes chapter 6 verse 9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Enjoying life will require you to be okay with what you have. Ecclesiastes chapter 6, verse 9. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless like chasing the wind. Part of enjoying life is what Paul says. Listen, I've, I've had abundance. I've had scarcity. But I've found, I have found the secret to being content in all things. Part of enjoying life is actually being thankful for your job, being thankful for your coworkers, being thankful for the family you have, being thankful for the friends you have. If you have this constant need to have to replace, replace, and replace, the chances are that something broken in here, and it has very little to do with how miserable things are on the external, right? Um, a lot of times it's just an adjustment of perspective. You are already blessed. You're already favored, right? And if you start to adjust your perspective and call things out as they are, then maybe you might actually start enjoying your job. And listen, I've been in some work environments that are absolutely toxic, absolutely terrible. But you know what? I tried my best still to be grateful and to uh, approach the situation. Like, there were some jobs where I would, like, want to throw up getting out of the car to walk into the office. Like, I hated it so much. But I would still try my best to be faithful to at least um, bring, bring a joyful version of myself to the situation. I can control my joy. I can steward me, right? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I like, I <laughs> the Lord is a faithful rewarder of, of, of diligence and hard work. I work a job that I love. I have a boss that I love. My wife doesn't have to work. I mean, like, but before I had all that, I still chose to steward myself faithfully and to try and enjoy the things around me, even if they were less than perfect circumstances. You understand? <laughs> um, enjoying life requires obedience to Jesus and staying within the design of Yahweh and avoiding idolatry. It's that simple. It's that simple. Outside of that, girl, have yourself that second state. Outside of that, go on that trip. Outside of that, 
jump out that plane. Just make sure there's a parachute attached. <laughs> All right? Folks, I want to give you permission to enjoy life. The Lord says, these words I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. I've spoken this to you so that in me you may have peace, for in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So I recommend having fun, for there's nothing better in this life than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place, South Tampa Campus. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear, and we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.